What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I am CK. I'm also here with Simon Clancy and Alf Artiaga. Uh, that woman on the intro gets me every time. Uh, we gotta, we gotta talk about her. What? Uh, oh, she get you? Well, I, I don't want to get too deep, delve too deep into my psyche here because uh, it can get weird down there. I, but I uh, whenever she says my name, uh, I don't know what it is. The way she pronounces it. I've seen pictures of her. Uh, I can't remember now. <laughs> Your wife must be listening. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I gotta be quiet. <laughs> no, actually, Simon, and, and we'll get to um, these questions, these listener questions later. But one of our listener questions was actually, Simon, is that your wife? It's not. It's my good friend Diane Knox, uh, Scottish radio presenter. Now lives in Jacksonville. Uh, works uh, in golf. Her brother is Russell Knox, who is the uh, U.S. Tour PGA Tour player and Ryder Cup player, so uh, she's a good friend of mine, and she did the voiceover. But it, it, it was Berkeley two two three who sent in that uh, tweet uh, asking that question. So there is your answer: a good friend uh, and a lady of the golf tour, but not my. Imagine wife. that! Imagine that! So so who knew? It's somebody with a British or you know British Isles accent. Scottish is, is the word they're looking for. Scottish, yeah, I guess so. Do you guys remember in uh, in Caddyshack when Bill Murray uh, gets called by the by the groundskeeper and the groundskeeper says, "I need you to kill all the golfers on this course," <laughs> and he and he says, "Well, excuse me, Scotty, but if I kill all the golfers, they're gonna lock me up and throw away the key." Best hey. Bill Murray film. No, what's the? <laughs> it's the question. What's the best Bill Murray film? Oh, it's Caddyshack. There's only one. No, there's only one right answer to this. <laughs> and it's I gotta not say Caddyshack. Caddyshack. It's not oh, Caddyshack. Come on, come on. It's I lost mean, if we're in going translation. non-Caddyshack, then Groundhog you know, Day. Lost like in translation. Sorry. Oh, okay, that what? is a great movie. It's a great movie. I I object. Oh come on! How can you object? It's not that it's a bad movie, but come on, the the it's best gr- Bill Murray movie. It's a great movie. It's his best movie. That's a high standard. Yes, yes, it is. And we're setting a high bar today, and we're starting with Lost in Translation. <laughs> They, they show Scarlett Johansson's butt on that movie, so it has to a be. A lot, a lot. It's, so that's that's basically what it is. Then. Uh, but you know what? That's the best Bill Murray uh, 10 to 15 seconds of total film. No, it's a great <laughs> film anyway. And it, it's the best Bill Murray film, and it's not even up for discussion. I win. Of course it's not up for discussion. Then. Exactly. <laughs> Otherwise. All right. Uh, I want to get to a couple of things. we got a lot to get to on this uh, segment here, uh, this first segment. Uh, first, some three yards per carry news. Um, we are affiliated, by the way, with the Five Reasons Sports Network with Ethan Skolnick and Chris Whittingham. Uh, they were kind enough today to let me take over their their Twitter account, the the main Twitter account. You can find that at Five Reasons Sports. That's uh, that's five, the number five. And uh, they had me take that over for about an hour, and we did a lot of Q and A with the fans. Everything from um, how much four wide receiver personnel do you think the Dolphins are going to use this year to how well do you think they're going to do overall this year to, um, you know, somebody asked, uh, is anime a form of pixel art? Uh, the, the answer <laughs> is yes, especially the tentacle stuff. Um, Nobody so asked you about did, Josh Allen's completion percentage? Not today. Let's debate later on that, I think. I couldn't get to the computer, so it was difficult to get get across. So we, we did that today. You can find that by looking at their uh, Twitter account and kind of scrolling down their, their, uh, their timeline. Or you can look for hashtag AskCK. And don't scroll too far because evidently we stumbled on a uh, some sort of Korean hashtag that is AskCK. Um, uh, I was looking that up. And it was a little bit, a little bit odd. Um, I wonder what the C and the K stands for. That, that is a Twitter wormhole you do not want to go down. You're probably right about that. Um, so you can look that up. Uh, and by the way, uh, again, we encourage all of our listeners to ask us questions. We will get to them on the podcast. Uh, you can do it hashtag three. That's the number three yards. And we do have a number of questions that we're going to get to in a little bit but first it looked like usa today uh and some other sources came out with some pictures of a new miami dolphins hat and i believe this is going to be the hat 
that draft prospects are going to hold up when they get drafted by the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Alf, do you have any? Obviously, you have some thoughts on this. Yeah, this thing is the most hideous thing ever created. First of all, it looked like a grandmother's couch, okay? But imagine... <laughs> Your first memory while watching Baker Mayfield walk across that stage in Dallas is going to be him being handed a Miami Dolphins jersey and then being told to put this turd on its head. (laughs) Okay? Now, somebody at New Era decided, okay, this is a great idea. I'm going to sit in front of my little drafting station here, and I'm going to design a hat, and it's going to be so hideous that all 32 fan bases are going to be outraged over it. And... (laughs) There's actually news because, you know, as we're speaking right now, it's Wednesday night. The news actually is that they are going through with it. These hats are the ones that are going to be handed out on draft day. I mean, I love the draft. I love, how, I love you know, the excitement of it. I love the fact that we, you know, we've got a high pick. You know, there's the one benefit from having a terrible season. But I hope to God we trade out of the first round so that no sucker has to put that on his head on draft night because that is an abomination. And can you imagine being a Saints fan and then looking at that? And it says big easy football. Like was, no, nobody I mean, at New Era heard of who that. Heard of who that? <laughs> I mean, it's ludicrous. It's I like. I, I particularly like though when when you started tweeting about this immediately. Somebody, some you know conspiracy theorist pipes up and is like, "No, you just made all that up. Uh, yeah, no, it he, couldn't possibly be that bad. You had to have photoshopped that." Yeah, he thought that I was engaged in some type of conspiracy with USA Today and that I was hacking into Darren Rovell's Twitter account. It was hilarious. And I did put it out that, that day. I put it out to the hashtag three yards for anybody to come up with a better phrase that it, to put in front of that hat. Because if you haven't seen the hat, first of all, it's hideous. But it says, go fins on it. It should say, go FYS. But- Can I just say, though, it's not the worst of the NFL hats. Dallas's hat just says America's team and it looks like it's been sewed on by like the sewing circle from Hackensack, New Jersey. <laughs> like but the worst one is Tampa Bay. So have you seen theirs? It says fire the cannons. Yeah, fire the cannons <laughs> at that hat is what they should do. At the, at a big pile of hat. Yeah, the, I put I put this out to Twitter and some guy called Steve Watts at Watts Yup. Two nice Twitter handle, buddy. And he said that the Dolphins hat should say either dog placenta or Tanny's new tank towel on it. <laughs> and I tell you, that would be an, an improvement. Like, actually, if it said that, I might buy the hat. Well, you know, I thought that as, as I'm looking at it, it says go fins. Uh, if you were just to take the the I and N, which kind of run into each other anyway, and just, you know, change it into a, into a Y, it could just be go FYS. And that would be, that would be a great hat to wear. That's something I would wear. Yeah. That would be the number one bestseller on new era. Cleveland's just says dog pound spelled D A W G. The Jets is just J a J dash E dash T dash S dash. Should have had that stupid bloke with the big helmet, the fireman, fireman Sam or whatever his name was. <laughs> fireman Ed. Uh, that's the one. <laughs> the, they've all got what did no- you call him? Fireman uh, Sam? Yeah, it's a, t- it's a kid's TV show over here. It was the first thing that came into my head. Oh, that, that, but, rem- that reminds me. One of my greatest achievements on, on the internet was about 10 years ago. I got onto uh, one of the, the Jets' uh, uh, message board. Uh, I think it was Gang Green. And I started a fake rumor that Fireman Ed had died. <laughs> <laughs> He's and been I, live forever. It's widely I, spread. Yeah, and I had them going for like 45 minutes until somebody actually showed up on the thread to say, no, nah, no, nah, he's very much alive. Carolina's hat says two states, one team. Imagine oh. wearing that. I'd set fire to it on stage and hope that it caught Roger Goodell and a big curtain and took everything out. Speaking of merchandise, uh, I did a Twitter poll and I wanted to know from you what what would be our official, our first official three yards per carry merchandise. And the options were the uh, the Tannehill uh, taint towel or the um, the dog placenta T-shirt or um, uh, a Michael Bolton tape cassette. And and by a two to, <laughs> by well, a two to one margin, actually, uh, you guys picked the towel. So I think uh, you know three YPC tainted towels are 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 in the works. Well, the Michael Bolton cassette, we can't do that because then we have to share in the profits with Michael Bolton. So. Well, you know what I would do is I was I would just get like those those awful you know blank cassettes where you used to put the label on yourself and just mark her up and says Michael Bolton on it and then it would just but it would have nothing recorded on it and and I would be doing you a favor Thank by having God. nothing recorded <laughs> God nobody needs to put that together <laughs> We do have uh seriously we do have some dolphins news to get through as well um not necessarily big stuff uh the 
Dolphins have signed a new linebacker, Terrence Garvin, formerly a Seattle Seahawk. Uh, he also played for the Pittsburgh Steelers for a little bit. He was at West Virginia in college playing sort of a, um, a spur rover type position, safety linebacker hybrid. Uh, do we think anything about this or is this just, you know, not beyond the threshold of do we care? I think it's a kind of a, you look at Michael Thomas and Damian Williams moving on. I suspect that Darwin is going to turn into a fairly core special teamer. What he does is improve speed on that unit. He probably improves speed in sub packages if he gets on the field. You look at his snap count over the last three years, it's kind of gone up fairly fairly dramatically, I suppose. Uh, eight snaps in 2015, 57 snaps defensively in 2016, and then 195 snaps with the Seahawks last year as a linebacker. So, you know, he's probably going to, I think it improves competition, it improves speed. I don't know what you think, Alf, but I think he's probably going to be in a, in a battle to make the team because I certainly think the Dolphins are going to draft at least one linebacker. But, um, you know, it's an interesting name to throw in there. And, we, you know, we've privately bemoaned our lack of team speed and defensive speed on that side of the ball. And, uh, and that's certainly what he brings to the table. Well, I was a big uh, Neville Hewitt fan, so I was the only one. So I guess we got a replacement. <laughs> you were that guy. Yeah. So I, di- I do know he intercepted uh, Phil Rivers and returned it for a touchdown in preseason this year. He's the guy. Isn't he the guy that broke the Bengals punter's jaw when he was uh, when he was a special teamer in Pittsburgh? He, was, he he had a key block on an Antonio Brown punt return for a touchdown. He broke the uh, he broke the Bengals punter's jaw with a with a hell of a block. Could be that is he is he is the guy. I've seen He's that, that video. Thought, it's, yeah, it's, passed, it's, it's been passed around. Uh, that was his uh, sort of moment of glory. I think that uh, you hit the right what guy, a, Neville Hewitt. Uh, Neville Hewitt went off to the Jets. He's he's now up there in New York. So you know, hey, let's get another linebacker. I actually look at him. They they were looking at Emmanuel Lammer, who used to play for uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, and he was another you know college safety that converted to linebacker, sort of a hybrid player. They were sniffing at him, and uh, and he ended up signing with the Raiders. So instead of getting him, they go after Terrence Garvin. It's another. It's a hybrid. This is you know one of the first hybrids I think that I've seen them really play around with uh, since Matt Burke became the defensive coordinator so it is sort of interesting in that way but I think they're just covering some bases before they get into the draft because you never really know what's going to happen there so that's that's how I looked at it I don't I don't want to make too big of a deal a thing out of it another piece of news that the Dolphins are hosting tonight Baker Mayfield uh, he is in town again? he's having dinner again he's in town he's having dinner with the Miami Dolphins uh, Alf are you going to are you going to meet him at Tootsie's later yeah he should be over there he should be making an appearance over there like and your boy josh allen comes tomorrow well except that i've heard a rumor that because josh allen is so inaccurate he'll probably end up in tampa (laughs) (laughs) come on i know you're laughing i know you're laughing chris chris is seething see i can hear him laughing plotting my revenge over here i heard a theory on twitter which i found kind of interesting which is do you think that they are hosting mayfield and allen just so they get to know them better because they know that they, these are these two guys are going to be the Jets quarterback and the Bills quarterback. That's fair. I, mean, that, I think that's fair. That they do this. I mean, they always have done this. They get to know guys that, that they could be playing against or that they could find available one way or the other. But yeah, yeah. The, the rumor is that the Bills are going to trade a whole lot to get up and get Allen. And meanwhile, the other rumor out there is that, you know, Baker Mayfield does not get beyond the number three pick. That's mm-hmm. Ben, uh, ben Albright is saying that and you can find him on Twitter. Rumor is that the Bills have potentially got a blueprint for a trade with the Giants to two, Mm -hmm. which would be, you know, would take a lot, but would be fascinating. And, you know, they obviously need that quarterback, so we shall see. And why wouldn't the Giants be in on one of these quarterbacks? I'm not sure. I mean, to me, if you're not taking a quarterback, if you're there. But, you know, there's been plenty of rumors that the Giants, looking at Bradley Chubb, looking at Saquon Barkley, feel like Eli probably may have two or three more seasons left in him. You know, they drafted the kid in the third round last year. You can always come back at the top of round two and there's a Mason Rudolph, there's a there's a Lamar Jackson, potentially, there's a you know Carla Letter, there's the gotta kind of figure out how Dave Gettleman's looking at these things and that's potentially one of those, you know, one of those curveballs that we're gonna get early on. And if you're but also if you're gonna get two first round picks this year and probably at least a first and maybe a second next year to move up from your Buffalo to move up, up into the number two spot, then you'd have to think about it, wouldn't you? For a team that only won what three games last season, there's gotta be options there to rebuild that roster pretty quickly over a couple of seasons. And Dave Gettleman's gotta think, actually, maybe I can do that by with, with all these high with all these high picks. You can't necessarily argue against that, especially if they're not sold in a guy. We 
all like these quarterbacks individually, but there are all of them have flaws. You know, as much as we like Baker, Baker still has his flaws. You know, Chris likes Josh. Josh has some flaws. I like Darnold, but you know, he still has some issues. Now, if you like Josh Rosen, again, issues. So it's how many how many eggs do you put in that basket if you're the Giants, or do you think actually perhaps you can potentially rebuild quicker whilst Eli's still there and you build a little bit around him and improve that offensive line and get a decent running game in and uh, and away you go. So who knows? So goes the rumor. The Giants actually they are interested in a quarterback it's just the problem is they're only interested in one really and that's Sam Darnold and if he's not there then they're kind of just ready to punt on that position and go ahead and take the best available player that is not a quarterback for them so I think that and a lot of people would say that that's really how you should do it find the guy that you really want and figure out how to get him and so there's probably a little bit of a staring contest going on between the Cleveland Browns and the New York Giants over Darnold because I think the Giants have sort of shown their hand a little bit on which which of those quarterbacks they do like so I think that's 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 where this could all be going but I do want to get to some more listener questions we have had a few and we've got uh first one is uh will the Patriots be taking Lamar Jackson there is some there are some rumors there Simon I, I want to kick that I want to kick that over to you first and uh and then we'll get Alf uh, there was a report today wasn't that Michael Freeman of Bleacher Report said that the Patriots according to the Jackson camp which is his mother and uh you know assorted family members said that the Patriots were the team that had shown the most interest in him to this point. You know, Tom Brady is, what, 49 years old or 58 years old or however old he is. Um, he's got pumping some of that dog placenta, I'm sure, to keep him going. They're, they're obviously going to need a new quarterback. They need a Tom Brady replacement. It, for my eyes, mistakenly got rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, especially given the, the low price that they, that they got back in return that second rounder from the 49ers and it was clear from those seven games that Jimmy started for the 49ers that he was a, a serious serious player Jacoby Brissett played pretty well in Indianapolis you know, whether or not he's the future if Andrew Luck can't come back who knows but I, I do think that they're going to be looking at a passer and Lamar Jackson would we're going to talk about it a bit later as well in terms of the Dolphins and and how they move the ball offensively but New England have done so well certainly in the Josh McDaniels era is they've just taken each year as it comes they're not you know they're not a power running offense and they're not a deep ball offense they're not a short a west coast offense they are what suits them for that particular season just because they played a certain way this season does not mean to say that they can't evolve into a Lamar Jackson type team do you see what I mean he is the most explosive player in this in this draft he is you know you only have to turn on the film to see that I can have, yeah no I mean come on he is not just <laughs> explosive like diarrhea that's outrageous he is a good player a really good player and he's the most dynamic and explosive player in this draft I don't think there's a debate on that I, I could absolutely absolutely see the Patriots taking Lamar Jackson I absolutely could whether they will or not I don't know but I could absolutely absolutely see it happening well, Alf see. what was his completion percentage uh, it was higher than Josh Allen's uh, let me see he has a narrow base his follow through to finish doesn't exist he lacks but these velocity are all things, but these are all things that you can these are these are not difficult things consistently throws behind receivers between the hashes and I mean, his impersonation of a T-Rex throwing a football is remarkable I'll jump in and say this I don't think a narrow when you know your th- your throwing process you know you can tweak it I, I don't think if you have kind of a narrow base you're going to keep a narrow base it's it's not necessarily the the worst thing in the world um but that's that's what's going to happen he doesn't drive the ball at all and it doesn't show up ever i'm not i'm not sold on that i I don't that i see him drive the ball down the field i think he's a good i think he's a good player and i think we've talked about it he runs that very you know it's a very complex offense and i know that you know some teams talked about how he wasn't particularly good on the board specifically on the board but actually in terms of standing there and talking through plays they were very very impressed with the way that he did it and Mike Mike Freeman reported that the Patriots were fascinated by his football knowledge his football intelligence and that is a tough tough Louisville offense that he ran it's not an easy offense for anybody to run and um, he did a really good job of it I'm not buying some of those negatives that you throw in there he he drove the ball plenty of times down the field well I like confidence to pass on him at 42 but I would not take him at 11 and I wouldn't take him on any trade oh, down in the first round. No, I wouldn't take him at 11 either, but... Now, if he's uh, just sitting there at 42 and you really don't like Lauletta and you really don't like Mason Rudolph or anybody else, then yeah, sure, you know, take a flyer. But he does not stand out to me at all as a quarterback prospect, no. I actually get a little bit more interested in him when he's in the pocket and he's, as opposed to the things that he's more known for with his athleticism and his explosiveness, Simon, as you said. Um, I just like him when he's in the pocket, especially when he's getting into the quick 
game, uh, the quick Absolutely. passing game. And I think that you're right. There are some NFL concepts there. That's what teams are interested in. They're going to look at him as a passer and see see what he has on that level. I, I get actually I get m- much more worried about him when he's breaking the pocket. When he's right, actually, I, I don't ha- I don't think he has the frame to do that. No, I think this I, was this is where RG three was made a mistake. And and I think and I know that RG three didn't technically injure himself uh, or his knee outside of the pocket. I think I think it was in the pocket, but you know RG three didn't have that that awareness uh, really of what's going on around him to uh, to get out of the way and minimize contact. And I, I see a little bit of that in Lamar Jackson. And um, and I. I would. I want him in the pocket. I want him protected yeah. a little bit. But you're the, always going to be able to. You're always going to be able to make some explosive plays when you have his sort of athleticism. But way more often than not, you just want him going within structure. One of the things that I find fascinating and that teams are going to have to do. They're they're almost down by down. There's going to be a requirement that they have a full time spy on him because he can break contain and that obviously lightens coverage numbers which makes it easy to complete passes but you look at him in isolation uh, and look at some of the things that you're looking for for a quarterback his ability to hold safeties and manipulate secondary members with his eyes is really really good you know he looks poised in the pocket pre-snap he understands exactly what's happening very complicated pre-snap and he's all over it i think he drives the ball with velocity i don't agree and also that, that ball comes out there's no wasted motion we're not talking about a sam donald here that comes out with a mike vick flick of the wrist and he can really spin the ball down the field i, I like him i think there's um i think there's a lot there to work with and he's malleable and i, I think that's an interesting proposition for someone like josh mcdaniels getting back to the patriots real quick because since this <laughs> question is about the patriots uh they have some you know first-hand experience with what you're talking about in terms of spies and and whatnot they have a linebacker marquise flowers that they resigned this offseason. I thought that Miami could actually be interested in him because he's sort of one of these hybrid players uh, with 4-4 speed and such. Um, they use him exactly like that. When they're facing a mobile quarterback like a Lamar Jackson, they get him on the field, and he is his job is to spy. His job is to spy the quarterback and play the quarterback. So they know really firsthand what it means to play those guys and what you have to give up on defense in order to play them. I want to get to the next question, though. Um, Put a gun to your head. Which quarterback does Miami end up drafting if not one of the top guys? So we're eliminating the guys up there, you know, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen. And let's let's eliminate, I guess, uh, Lamar Jackson, unless you really think that we're going to end up with him somehow. Who else? Who else is out there? Who do you think, gun to your head, we're going to acquire? Let's go with uh, Al. Kyle Laletta from Richmond. Ooh. I think he he checks a lot of boxes, and his and his film looks kind of impressive. He looks he kind of looks like our favorite in this draft. A poor man's version, but pretty good. You know, he's got, he's mobile. He has a good arm. He throws well between the hashes. I like his setup in the pocket, and he makes something out of nothing pretty often. Maybe at least what I've watched of him now they haven't been tied to him at all but you know would it surprise you that that's who they actually like simon do you have uh do you have a guy here yeah i like that letter but i think i i do think the interest in luke folk is real the kid out of washington state you know he's got good size he's got a decent arm straight i know you're not a fan chris um you know people talk about always oh, a system quarterback he's a system quarterback but you look at that you know he's tall he's what six four six five two twenty five you know he sets up quickly in the pocket that ball comes out quickly um again it's a kind of a compact release like we talked about early on with Jackson he spins it well he has a good understanding of defense you see him attack the one-on-ones he can throw back shoulder um you know he works his progressions well in the pocket I think the biggest concern for me is that he has been hit over and over and over again to the point where I wonder whether or not he might be a little bit trigger shy almost because that line was you know me you and Alf plus two friends could have probably blocked better than that Washington State line at times so you know I think there are some issues there are some issues with ball security in terms of he makes some ill-advised throws at times but I would think that we've shown I know we do know that he spent a significant amount of time with the Dolphins um, and it wouldn't surprise me if perhaps he came off the board in that fourth fourth round area I think uh, you nailed it when you talk about his the the quick game and the the fact that the ball gets out of his hands quickly and that's what would have the Miami Dolphins and, and particularly Adam Gase interested if they are really interested in him uh, I know that they've made a lot of explicit shows of um, of interest in Luke Falk so you know are they being too obvious are they are they just interested you know who knows but uh, the thing that makes me a little bit nervous is that he's had concussion issues already and when you look at him in the pocket you understand why because he's sort of a statue back there he's not built well he's not 
built for tough, you know, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. He's he takes shots, and I don't like a lot of people kind of give hero worship to uh, to quarterbacks that you know stand in the pocket and uh, to last possible second and deliver the football and take these huge shots. I just look at the guy and say, you know, I'd prefer I'd prefer somebody that God gave the sense to get out of the way. Um, yeah. I don't like I don't like that these when these guys take those shots because Khalil Mack is going to come in and detonate his spleen yeah. i think that that's um that's what that's what you look at with uh falk he's already taken some concussion issues and Give speaking me. of laletta i mean on on the laletta case um i am worried i am wondering why the miami dolphins have not had their name attached to him at all throughout this process and i, I look at that conspicuously because i know and i've said this on this podcast before i think that they did big workups on uh both uh laletta and and dallas Goes goddard up. the uh yeah. yeah the the tight end and they met um, with mike white yeah and they met with mike white i mean they so they've had their name attached to Mike White, they've had their name attached to Mason Rudolph um, and obviously Baker Mayfield and, and Josh Rosen. Now they're having Josh Allen in for a private visit. They're not allowing their name to be attached to Kyle Oletta, even though I know that floating around in that front office is a really big workup on him. They've been cut. They've been all over as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah him as well. And so I wonder why that is. Why why won't they why won't they show any interest in the guy? even though he is right up Adam Gase's alley as far as, you know, his encyclopedic knowledge of different offenses because he played under four different offensive coordinators, uh, his leadership, his intelligence. You, you got to wonder, especially you watch him play, he gets the ball out very quickly. He gets the ball out quickly, um, even more consistently, I think, than Luke Fall. Uh, he has the athleticism to do things that way, and it's it's a part of his game. It's not just something that's superfluous to him that's there um he actually makes plays with his feet he reminds me a lot of like an alex smith just one very quick one before we go to break just talking about luke folk i've got the number in front of me and i've just googled it how many times was he sacked during his career in pullman this will make you this will frighten you give us a number give us a number so i guess i'll go with okay alf 78 i I would go with 52 125 wow yeah Wow, and he's alive. That's, that's why we. That's why you have a bit of worry about him. Anyway, take you, it away. Well, you know his his predecessor, uh, Connor Halliday, actually suffered a lacerated liver while playing in the backfield at Washington State for Mike Leach. So that is a that is a part of the Mike Leach offense when they have those offensive linemen spaced out like they do. Uh, those guys, those guys get hit. Those guys get hurt. Yeah. Well, we have to go to break now. But when we come back, we will discuss the upgrades. Yes, the upgrades to the Dolphins' skill positions. But first, these words. This week on the Balls Cast, we debate whether or not heat culture matters. They talk about certain players don't want to come here because of it. Yeah. Fuck those so they, guys. <laughs> right, but those guys are good. Miami Dolphins CEO Tom Garfinkel talks new uniforms. You know, the tweaks are, I think, make us look more like the Miami Dolphins of, of old. And then we make them speak in a German accent. Excuse me, I need a bottle of your finest champagne brought to Garfinkel Pool immediately. <laughs> Plus, we share our stories about our worst dates ever. She probably used the N-word like seven times. This week on the Balls Cast... Welcome back to Three Yards Per Carry, and we also encourage you to listen to Five Reasons Podcast. Ethan and Chris do a fabulous job. They will be putting up a podcast after every single Heat playoff game, so be looking out for that. Also, don't forget to catch the Ballscast, uploaded every Friday morning with Chris Joseph, Slim, and Adam Smoot. Hopefully, they'll get to that consensual cannibalism debate this week. I said it before we went to break. I feel as if the Dolphins have upgraded their skill positions this offseason. What do you think, Simon? They've changed their skill positions. I'm not sure they've upgraded their skill positions. I mean, you know, you take out a Jarvis Landry and whatever you think about Landry and whatever you think about the the yards per catch thing, which, you know, is a bit of a debate. And personally, it doesn't sit particularly well with me because what Landry did was convert first downs, was was create energy, was, uh, you know, score was do things that we just couldn't do and haven't been able to do consistently on offense. So you take out a Landry, but then you bring in an Albert Wilson, a very interesting player. You know, you look at some of the statistics behind the statistics on him and they are 
interesting and you wonder about how we're going to line up and whether or not we're going to go to plenty more four receiver sets and you've got you're also getting the return of Tannehill as we discussed last week and what that means is that what Ryan does best is again that ball comes out of his hand quickly a lot of short routes a lot of underneath routes comeback curls those sorts of things and that certainly plays into what Wilson does but certainly what Danny Amendola does you know you look at the numbers and Chris has crunched the numbers on where Kenny Stills and Jakeem and their performances both inside and outside and Kenny actually performs brilliantly in the slot so I think Actually, what you're going to see, and I talked about it earlier on with that sort of the, the transition of of year by year offense with Josh McDaniels, and you wonder whether or not when Adam Gaze and the and the coaching staff went away at the end of the season and had that deep dive into what went wrong and what they can do better, I wonder whether or not there was an element of them thinking, why don't we just take this as a season at a time and let's see what suits us best as we go forward for one season, and then if that suits us best the season after and that's fine but let's say Devontae Parker breaks out this season and all of a sudden we have this monster deep threat that's been threatening for for three or four years and has never got there I don't think that's going to happen and I'm pretty sure you guys don't either so I just think they're going to play to their strengths in terms of the guys that they've got these sort of smurf type receivers who can get open in short areas and just continue to move the chains and then you obviously you look in the backfield with the boys with Drake I think Frank Gore's a terrific signing because he's going to teach Kenyon how to be a player both on and off the field tight end as we'll get to is a, is a huge area concern you know they keep talking up this AJ Derby kid and uh, you know every single press conference every single conversation that we've heard this this offseason whether it's Chris Greer whether it's Mike Tannenbaum whether it's coach Gaze AJ Derby's name keeps coming into it so he's clearly somebody that they are interested in as probably what will be the number two and you'll see a battle between Duarte and, and one of our favorites Marquise Gray for the number three but I'm absolutely certain as certain as you can be that that 42 pick will be spent on a tight end I, I will be very surprised if they go elsewhere so I don't I'm not sure they've upgraded them I just think they've changed the narrative of what the skill positions are um and but it all depends on on 17 coming back it really does and I think that's a huge bonus for us um it'll be interesting to see how it goes what do you reckon chris i look at this holistically and i think they do they have upgraded uh, i know that that's not going to go over well with some of the jarvis landry fans out there i'm not trying to dig at jarvis landry um but i think that when you look at how they're going to use these guys because it's not just the new additions it's not just danny amendola and albert wilson it's also how they're going to change how they use jakeem grant for example or uh yeah. or kenny stills and i think there's going to be more active rotation um more diverse packaging uh, they they really got into this thing where they would just have the top three guys out there jarvis landry kenny stills and Devonte parker every single down and i don't think that that's healthy for their offense i think they're going to get away for that from that now and if they're, they're going to be better off for it what they have now instead of Jarvis Landry, who at times can be a source of inefficiency in your offense because you know you're you're feeding him the ball constantly and you're not getting a whole lot of yardage for it. You're going to have sort of a more diverse array of guys that are more efficient, especially if you have a good ball distributor, which we hope Ryan Tannehill will be this year, and he was in 2016. So I think that overall you're gonna you're gonna look at it and it's going to be a little bit better. Because and it's not just going to be because of Amendola or Wilson. It's going to be because of Jakeem Grant, for example. I think that the character of the offense is going to change a little bit because one thing you notice about Jarvis Landry and him always being included in these packages and him being fed the ball over and over again, he was a source of this character that Miami's offense had, had, where they would get off to slow starts and then finish strong. He was the guy that would really ignite them in the second half and help them to get going and come back from these deficits. But he was also a guy that contributed to the fact that they never really got going in the first half, in my opinion. So I think that now you have this more diverse array of skills, this, you know, faster guys, as we talked about Kenny stills, he can be used in the slot little known fact about him. And I mentioned this before, I think uh, he, over the last five years his the, the length of his career, he's actually been, arguably the most efficient slot receiver in the NFL because he is number one in terms of yards per target from the slot, specifically from the slot. So you get him used in the slot. You're going to have Albert Wilson used in the slot. And his story, again, uh, he was a guy that was used on the outside. He was very efficient out there in Kansas City. They moved him to the slot his first year in Kansas City from the slot. It, he really struggled. 
His numbers were bad. His performance was bad. His tape was bad. Everything was bad. Um, but they stuck with it. They let him get used to the slot, and he performed there in a second year. And this time, if you were just looking at 2017, he was one of the best slot receivers in all of football. And certainly one of the most efficient slot receivers in football. And I think the Dolphins looked at that tape, and they saw the growth from one year to the other, and they saw the fact that he could be used on the outside early in his career and was actually very efficient there, too. Um, and they're saying that this is a guy that we might want to you know, groom and see what he could be in a couple of years and they're so they're going to have a lot of versatility with him and the way he's used jakeem grant again another thing that you discover if you look uh closely at all these pff type stats is uh over his career he's actually leading the entire league in yards per target from the perimeter specifically you know take aside the the slot stuff and that's over the last five years uh, so he's an exciting guy to to try and use. The guy that you don't get so excited about, obviously, now is is Devontae Parker. And what where is he going to end up? But with Ryan Tannehill back, that was the last time he was efficient. So I think now we're going to look at this. We're going to fast forward. We're going to say they're getting off to faster starts and they're a little bit more efficient and they're not just you know focusing the football on one guy over and over again. I think it's going to be good. I want to see what you guys think about this stat that I heard repeated and I researched it myself and I verified it. Landry played 65 games in his career, including the playoffs. He received 10 or more targets 32 times, including the playoffs. The Finns were 9-23 and 23 in those 32 games. In the other 33 games, he averaged 6 targets per game, and the Dolphins were 21-12. and 12. Is there anything to that? Yeah, I think there is. I mean, I think he became too much of a focal point of the offense. Because he brought all the things that we loved and that we talked about earlier on, the 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 energy and the first downs and the big plays and the the great catches and the excitement you know that gets everybody going and you know he gets open he got open so you know let's go back to the well let's go back to the well let's force it let's force it let's you end up missing you become so myopic about getting the ball to to 14 that actually you miss plays elsewhere and i think that was an issue for us definitely it's a thing in that exactly as simon said you can get too focused on jarvis landry and the more you focus on him he is a low you know, yards per target uh, efficiency guy, the more you focus on him, probably not as great for your offense. But at the same time, you have to look at that a little bit suspiciously just because think of the situations. And I'm just talking anecdotally from what we, we watch every single game, obviously. Um, think of the situations where they end up leaning on him the most. And those are games where we need a spark in the second half because we're behind. And and so they start getting feeding the ball over and over to Jarvis Landry, looking for him to spark us. And you know what? Sometimes he did. Sometimes he really he really got us going. So I think that you have to look at it a little suspiciously that way. So is the real stat that makes sense there is the thirty the thirty three games where he averages six targets per game, and the Dolphins are twenty one and twelve. Um, yeah, I, I think you'd focus on that a little bit, and I think those are games that you figure in general, just in a general way were probably games where we got off to a faster start and didn't have to focus on him in the second half. And so it, overall it went better. And that's how I think, you know, getting back to the, the skill positions that they got, Danny Amendola and, uh, and Albert Wilson now put together with Jakeem Grant, Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker. That's where I see them going with this, getting off to faster start and not having to get into that situation where they're, they're just, you know, Jarvis save us in the second half. And also, uh-huh. don't forget, Jarvis wasn't, uh, you know, he's not a dynamic guy. He's not a speed guy. So early on in the first quarter, second quarter, defenses aren't worn out like they are later on in games. You know, it's easier for him to get open. I'm not dissing Jarvis Landry because he was great for us, but it is easier for Jarvis. It was easier for him to get open and to make plays later on in games because, you know, coverages have been worked out a little bit. Guys have got injured because guys were tired, because it's not early in the game. You know, they'd taken hits and all those sorts of things. It, it was just easier as the game moved on for him to be able to make plays and create stuff rather than us looking to try and do that in the first quarter when he's matched up against a Darrell Revis three years ago against the Jets. And we couldn't move the ball because you look for him and you look for him and you look for him and he's not getting open or he's covered or he's tackled after six yards or whatever. Later on in games, he was able to help us much more because, you know, he was just into the game more and defences had worn down a little bit. And I think that balance of of not trying to chase Jarvis every quarter, every down, every series is going to help this team. I, I do think that. 
that's a great point actually um i think i think you got that one uh nailed also i I just want to say though as far as the roles that these guys are going to play a little bit specifically uh last year they did something they did a couple of things that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me but um they did something with jakeem grant that you know hey yeah i'm happy that he's getting into the game more but didn't be it didn't make a whole lot of sense is that they used him as a third down receiver um so he's essentially that was his package he got on the field as a third down guy and i don't know that he's i don't know that he's like your third down specialist for converting third downs but now they signed danny amendola and it's like ah okay there you go there's your third down guy um i think jakeem grant is going to be more of a first second down guy speedster challenging uh challenging the depth of the defense threatening to blow the top off it um, and then to your point, Simon, in the first half, we're going to be hitting these teams with these defenses with a lot more speed. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're going to be they're going to be a little tired out by the second half. Absolutely. Right. We've done skill positions on the Dolphins. Let's transition a little bit to look at skill positions in the draft specific to what we need. I suppose the biggest question mark at those skill positions for us is tight end. So let's have a look at the tight end in the draft specifically and some of the guys that we could we could be looking to target. And there's a kind of a hodgepodge of guys, five or six, all in the mix, all bring slightly different things to the table, a very intriguing tight end class. Alf, what do you think about this tight end class and who do you think perhaps fits what we what we need, what we do in terms of uh, that position uh, well when it comes to draft day? Well, as far as an obvious guy, of course, it's Mark Andrews out of Oklahoma. But guys that I think at 42 can be there, and I would be pretty excited about drafting, Hayden Hurst out of South Carolina. He is a bit old, but if you watch his film, he absolutely dominates people. He he can run routes. He, he catches the ball at the highest point. He can run with it after he catches it. He really has no no flaws. And he also likes to, to block, block a little bit. Yeah, he can block too, can't he? I mean, the interesting thing when you talk about Hurst and everybody's is always going to be, he's older, he's older, he's older. I mean, ultimately, a lot of the times we don't sign guys to second contracts anyway. I mean, so he's only going to be what, 29 when it comes to the second contract anyway, chances are he's probably going to, unless he turns into, you know, Travis Kelsey, and it, he's going to be signing a second contract with somebody else. So that kind of the ace thing, a, a slightly a bit of a misnomer for me. I'm not so much sold on the, the, the oh, I'm worried about his age. I'm worried about, that, that really doesn't, that's not an issue for me. And another guy I get pretty excited about until he had a, a pretty bad injury, and that's Chris Herndon out of the University of Miami. Uh, if you watch them play, there's not many guys that are much more exciting than him. And he's not small. He's 6'4", 235 pounds, 240 pounds, and he runs like if he's 290. I don't know if you've watched them this past year because uh, I don't think anybody's run a tight end, tight end screen as good as he did. He can. And he's a guy who actually beat out Njuko twice, but Njuko managed to get enough snaps to produce, so... This is a guy with a lot of pedigree, but he had a bad injury. And since then, he hasn't tested well when he has worked out. So I guess that's a guy you can look at in the sixth round. And if we take him in the sixth, well, we're pretty lucky. Chris, who'd you like? Well, speaking of Herndon, I think, Alf, you and I were talking about this, you know, over a year ago uh, with Njoku. Um, The fact that, you know, one of the reasons to be uncomfortable maybe a little bit with Njoku was the fact that he took a backseat to Herndon constantly in that offense and it was obvious uh whenever you watch them they used Herndon more as a tight end than um you know as the primary tight end than Njoku I mean Njoku clearly was like an x-factor guy that can make plays in the passing game but um uh, Herndon was seemed like he was ahead of him and I think that that's a credit to Christopher Herndon uh, and I know sometimes I get kind of catch some flack from some of our Twitter followers because I talk about all these other tight ends and I, I don't mention Christopher Herndon that much, but I think that he is absolutely in line to be taken by Miami somewhere in the third day of the draft. Uh, you do have to get over the injury issue. It is significant. Um, but one thing that to point out on him is that he's actually very good from the slot uh, and he has very good numbers from there, if you pay attention to that. Um, and I think that that works well. And we've talked about this before. Who's the the only tight end that's ever worked well with Ryan Tannehill in his entire career? Uh, going back to Texas A&M is Charles Clay, glorified slot receiver. Um, and I think that Chris Herndon reminds me a lot of Clay. And so he would be a good fit for the quarterback. But the guys that I like up top, uh, and I think that, Along the speaking along the same lines, I really like Ian Thomas of yeah, Indiana. I, I, too. Yeah. I 
I think he reminds me so much of Charles Clay uh, as well. And he's really athletic, very strong athlete. Uh, I know he's a very high spark score kind of guy if you're if you're into that. He ended up uh, jumping and testing really well at the NFL Combine. I don't think it's 40, just that one number ended up that great. Four, I think it was four, a, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a yeah, four, four, some, yeah, somewhere four, around that. Four seven four out of two hundred and sixty pounds, and and like, that depends on that depends on your whether you're going electronic time or handheld time, and we we could trust me, we could do an entire podcast. I can talk about that, but um, but yeah, the, he was in the the late four sixes to early four sevens, and but at the same time, I don't know if that's reflective because I know that if if you look at the zebra technology, the zebra sports stuff of what he was doing at the senior bowl. Uh, he hit a, he had a really high max speed. I think that, uh, that he's a, a very athletic guy and on tape, he outruns defenders. I mean, you get him the ball in the short spaces and if he's got the angle, he makes that angle go all the way to the end zone. I mean, I he's think a, he's a big Juco kid as well. He's a Juco transfer who is a really, really well-liked kid, uh, bright, intelligent, uh, the coaches really loved coaching. I think he's a bit raw, but if you're if you're not a massive draft fan, if you want to kind of see what we're talking about, if you put on the Ohio State tape and watch him against Jerome Baker, and Baker is a smaller linebacker, he's quick, uh, he moves well in the hips. Thomas, uh, at the top of his routes, and uh, you know when he comes out of his breaks, he puts some serious distance between himself and Baker. And Baker's no slouch in coverage, but Thomas, when he gets to the top of his routes, he really has a second gear that is really impressive. And I think he's raw, and I don't think necessarily he's going to make a huge impact early on. You know, I don't think you're going to see him with the catch numbers of a of a Jasicki or potentially a Dallas Goda or whatever. But I, I think long term, Ian Thomas has potential to be a really, really good player down the line. The Penn State game, I would I would recommend as well yeah. if you're looking for games yeah. to watch of his, and and that's another one where you really see him, you know, mismatch against guys that are trying to go man on him, and it's yeah. it's hopeless. Um, now what about and, a, but what, I, what about a guy that you ahead. were really really excited about, Chris, a couple of months back, Jalen Samuels out of North Carolina State. Jalen Samuels is interesting, but I think you've got to consider him a straight up running back. Yeah, uh, I think that's how the NFL is is considering him. And as a running back, I'd be very interested in him, especially as sort of a multi-tool player that helps you use different personnel packages. Um, the way that he can be used in the slot as a receiver or in the backfield as a as a tailback, he's very very interesting. And we are talking about skill positions in general here, so obviously Jalen Samuels comes into it. Um, but you know, it has to be said that Miami Dolphins are paying a lot of attention for as far as the tight end goes to your guy Hayden Hurst, uh, Alf, as well as Dallas Goddard, and um, and, and that's forget, so those are, the, those are guys to watch. So the workouts they've done with Baker Mayfield, Mark Andrews was catching all the passes, you know, and Gaze was on hand for those workouts. So you know, they they may not have worked out, or they may not have, you know had the sort of FaceTime that you'd expect with a Hurst or, a, you know, having had Andrews into Davey, they will certainly have seen a lot of Mark Andrews around the Baker Mayfield situation that they've, you know, we've talked about incessantly. So I, I certainly think he is, and he's a very much a, a player that suits what Ryan Tannehill does best, isn't he? He's that kind of short area, uh, get that Ryan, couple of step, two step drops, get the ball out of his hand. And, uh, and Andrews, just a good, really solid all round tight end. He probably isn't quite getting the love that he deserves. I think in this, uh, in this process, I think because some of the slightly flashier guys, you know, Jasicki turned the, the combine on his head with a great athletic performance and, and Goda as well is that kind of, you know, small school guy, but you know, makes things happen with the ball in his hands can really leap high points, the ball. I'm not sold on him as a great route runner, but Chris made a good point about, you know, intricacies of route running as a tight end. And, you know, that's, that's a fair point well made, but I, I kind of feel like Andrews is flying slightly under the radar in terms of Jalen Samuels. Some coach is going to, is going to get him and he's going to end up with, you know, 50 carries and 40 catches this season. He'll be a special teams ace and, uh, and people will hold their hands up and go, course, Sean McVay is a genius for drafting Jalen. Samuels or Carl Shanahan's just turned Jane and said, why didn't we all think of, you know, mm -hmm. he's going to be that kind of player that just, you know, explodes, has a really, really good career, 10 years and, and just, you know, he could turn into, he could turn into the guy at Tennessee that we've talked about potentially drafting. His name completely escapes me off the top of my head now because it's 1.58 in the morning. 
uh, in the UK. But um, the 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 guy who was a running back slash fullback with the, who the Forty Nineers drafted and has turned into a really good tight end with the Titans. Oh, Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker. You know, he probably is not going to be able to put on that much weight, but in terms of he, he could have that kind of impact, certainly the, the early impact that Walker had with the 49ers in terms of just being that sort of Swiss Army knife, just doing all sorts of different things, running the ball, receiving, all those sorts of things. I, I think Samuels could really, you know, he could, he's just a player. He just strikes me as a player. And somebody's going to get a really good, uh, a really good sort of stretch out of him. I think. Full disclosure: uh, Mark Andrews, my favorite tight end in the class, so <laughs> definitely preaching to the choir there. I think uh, the last three years that I've been watching college football, that Mark Andrews has been a mainstay of that Oklahoma offense. I thought in all of the three, in each of the three years, he was the best tight end in college football each one of them and i think that if you look back over the drafts of the past couple of years and see well who else was out there i maybe some people would say that's controversial with david and joku but i think that uh i think that mark andrews was the best tight end i saw in each of those three years but on the running back space i mean i I do want to talk about the running back because this is about skill positions alf do you have do you have any running backs that really do it for you or that the miami dolphins are interested in well, the Dolphins have met with Sony Michelle going on six times already, and I absolutely love him. Of course, if we can if we can get Saquon Barkley, we really have to consider it. Even if we have to, if, if he's available there for a trade up, we have to think about it. Beyond that, I like Darius Geis, I like Sony Michelle, and besides those two, I always kind of liked Kerryon Johnson. And I know you didn't mm-hmm. like him, Chris, but mm-hmm. he does it for me, and I like. I'm mixed. I'm mixed. I'm not. I'm not totally like, a hater here. I, and I like a, him. I wonder how much. I wonder how durable he is. I've been a big Nick Chubb fan. Also, I just like Sony Michelle better. But there is one guy that, if you watch his tape, he pops, and I mean pops big. And that's the kid out of Arizona State. You know him, Chris. Kalen Ballage. Ballage. Yes. Just watch his film. He's big, strong, gets every inch, and efficient. Like, he'll fall into the hole, get two yards, because that's all there was. Now, as far as, you know, a guy that we can get maybe later on, a local favorite, Mark Walton, I wouldn't be opposed to that. They're going to like Walton because he's probably the best blocking back in the draft. So you, if you're looking for protection for Tannehill, Mark Walton can can really do it. Yeah, I think, and obviously he's not just a blocking guy, but no, he's, I, I see him as I see him as sort of like a Duke Johnson, actually. Yeah, um absolutely. He's, he's the guy, the very much like. a smaller, fast guy, and he's going to yeah. do some damage in the passing game. So they've got to be intrigued uh, there. I, I like the John Kelly kid out of Tennessee. I think he's got something about him. He's, again, smaller guy, but you know, I think he, um, you know, he's a tough runner. He's, uh, he, he's absolutely capable out of the backfield. He's not, he's not Alvin Kamara, but he's a, to me, he's a three-down back. He's got, he's got good balance. He can bucket up into the hole. I, I, I like Kelly a lot. I think he's a, an interesting player who can also, who can also protect the quarterback. I wonder sometimes with Kelly if people aren't seeing, you know, Kamara and and they're wanting to see Kamara. But, um, hey, but I think I, I think watched the Alabama game. He, he sort of, he sort of had that sort of head-to-head matchup with Ronnie Harrison, and I mm-hmm. thought he gave Harrison every single thing he could handle um all game long from from first quarter to final bell and i think it was a fascinating matchup you know and we took you know ronnie harrison's a a first round you know top 40 safety Uh, and kelly gave him everything he could handle on that day and they probably ended sort of 50 50 but there was there were a lot of battles that kelly won I, i thought it was a fascinating insight into you know how you could match him up against a really good player like a Harrison who's got range and speed and athletic ability and kelly certainly didn't uh you know didn't embarrass himself yeah, and I don't want to punish a guy for being well-rounded because being well-rounded is good. But when I look at him, uh, one of the criticisms that I'd maybe have is that, you know, yeah, he's well-rounded, but it's all sort of a, um, you know, master of none situation. Yeah. It, there's nothing really that I can isolate about him and say, this is why he's great. This is why he's going to scare defenses. Um, so, I, you know, I haven't been high on him. I think that the guy that the Dolphins are now bringing in, it looks like the Dolphins are now bringing in for one of their official 30 visits is Rashad Penny of San Diego State. And that's a guy that has been intriguing to me for a long time. I think that he has, speaking of well-rounded skill sets, or at least as far as his... Cannot um, block, though. 
cannot, cannot block. block. But his his ability to catch passes and be really dangerous in the passing game, in addition to being one of the strongest runners out there. I, I mean, he has got he has got good speed. Uh, he's elusive. He makes people miss over and over. I think he yeah. I think he might have the highest you know uh, a rate of making guys miss tackles in the draft. You can look it up on on Pro Football Focus as they tally these things, and I'm not necessarily talking about their grades and being all about pro football focus, but they're a good tally you know, for some of these statistics, and he makes guys miss at a really high rate. And he and, has um, seven, seven kickoff return touchdowns in his career. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a remarkable player. Um, I'm glad the Dolphins are having him. I think that sometimes people make a little bit too much of the blocking thing. Uh, I know that he had some very challenging uh, reps at the Senior Bowl as far as blocking goes. But listen, I've seen guys come out of college just absolutely awful blockers, especially because they don't learn blocking that well there and then turn into great blockers in the NFL. And I've also seen it the other way around. You, you'd swear this guy would be a good blocker. And then, oh God, you know, he just got trucked over in, in the NFL. It, it, it really, it's, it's an area of evaluation that has as much, you know, has as much chance of being wrong or right as any other area of evaluation. And so I get uncomfortable when you make a big deal out of it or when we make a big deal out of blocking because, you know, we're as likely to be wrong as right and on the blocking issue uh, alone, let alone on this this player's overall talent. I think you got to let the talent, he is the talent take over. He's, well, he's, let, let, me, <laughs> let me throw this name out. That said, let me just be certain about this and say that he's awful. <laughs> no, he. I really like him as a running back. He's just not – yeah, he would concern me. Let me throw this name out. Bo Scarborough, 6'1", 233 pounds, runs a 4'5", jumped a 40-inch vertical. A fascinating, a fascinating guy to me in terms of you, you just mix him up with a Kenyan Drake in terms of sort of a, you know, a thunder and lightning. I mean, this is a big kid who will run over you. You know, he's a punisher, gets behind those pads, you know, absorbs blows, keeps on moving. You know, he's that – and he, he surprises me because he can get – you know, he can get to the edge – he can cut sharply downhill as a kind of a, a an outside outside zone guy. I like a Bo Scarborough in that sort of fourth fifth round area. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Derek, Naj- of Najee. He reminds me of Derek. He reminds me of Derek Henry, a guy the Dolphins liked and really? probably still. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was going to say, I was going to say, he reminds me of Najee Davenport, which means yeah. that he was the the worst of a very very good crop. It doesn't mean that I think he's bad. I just don't think he's as good as all the other guys that have gone before him. Do you know what Najee Davenport's middle name was? What was it? The... Trendacious. Really? Truly. Wow. There Hopefully Bo Scarborough has uh, more control over his bowel movements than Najee <laughs> yeah. Davenport. Do you yeah. remember, do either of you remember Najee Davenport's nickname? Well, uh, I mean, did it end up Dookie? No, uh, it was the dump truck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why well, would you do why would you well do it? In coined, the, as it why would out. you do it in the in the laundry basket? <laughs> I mean, seriously, why not? Why would... It seemed like a good idea at the time. But listen, listen, listen. Where is the laundry basket normally? Well, I mean, where do, where are, where do most families have their laundry basket? <laughs> well, it was basket? a dorm room, so it was in a closet, supposedly, and that's well, allegedly, it was in a closet. <laughs> so I mean, most people have their laundry basket. In the bathroom, and if the bar, if the laundry basket is in the bathroom, the toilet is also in the bathroom. Therefore, yeah, but this was a dorm room, so they have a communal bathroom. Even so, even uh, so, it's very confusing. I'm sure uh, it can be. Uh, many people make the same mistake. Uh, <laughs> I want to finish this one great line. So outside the court, when he got done, Najee Davenport demanded the journalist listen to what he had to say, which was, "I am innocent. Where's the evidence? I know I didn't do it. I just want to get it over with." Where's my manure? <laughs> <laughs> during his during his career, Davenport was given the nickname Dookie and the Dump Truck. Brilliant! <laughs> you can't make this up. Love the NFL. Sorry, get back. Let's get back to. I, I digress. Eli Apple. That's a. That's <laughs> Eli <a>, Crapple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, Bo Scarborough. You know, not to get back to more serious topics, but I fully agree with you there. I do see more Derrick Henry than I do uh, necessarily Najee Davenport. I think he's a physical specimen. If this were a year ago, and you know he weren't injured all year, and he he was fighting some serious injuries uh, in 2017, then we'd be talking about him a lot higher than we are right now. Right now, we're talking about him sort of fifth round, fourth round-ish 
And I think that a year ago, you know, that would have been surprising because he's a he's a phenomenal um, physical beast of a player. And I think that he would make a really good compliment to Kenyon Drake. You'd be a guy that the Miami Dolphins can rely on in short yardage. I don't think they have that guy right now. I mean, with all due respect to Frank Gore, who is you know really getting up there in age, um, I think that he would be a great compliment to Kenyon Drake, uh, and not just because they're Alabama players. Guys, we haven't talked about receivers, but given that we've signed Albert Wilson and Jakeem's coming back, obviously, and will be, be kind of uh, thrown into the offense more. Kenny's still there, obviously, Devontae, uh, Danny Amendola. I, I, I kind of feel like we don't need to touch on draftable receivers. I mean, if there's a if there's a, a groundswell of opinion from our listeners, then you can get in touch using the hashtag three yards, and we will certainly talk about draft eligible receivers. But um, uh, I kind of feel like we we uh, we don't need to. Um, am I good with that? I think hey, you're right. Perfect. Well, that's it then for this week. Thank you very much, Deep, for listening. Don't forget, as I just said, you can get in touch. Use the hashtag three yards, or you can reach us all individually on Twitter. I am at Cy Clancy. Chris is at CK Parrot. And Alf is at Uptown Report. Uh, if you really liked it, then please leave us a review. Uh, that would be, be terrific. If you didn't like us, then I've got nothing for you, frankly. Don't forget, subscribe to the rest of the Five Reasons content with Chris and with Ethan. And we'll be back next Thursday. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.